I want to thank you for joining us tonight, and I want to remind you why we're here. It's the price of our grace, the incredible sacrifice of God's own Son, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Tonight is a time of solemnity, a time for reflection, a time for remembrance, a time for us to celebrate, but with broken hearts. Without the cross of Christ, then the price of our sin was not paid. But because of the cross of Christ, the price of our sin, your sin, my sin, the sin of the world, paid for by the blood of the precious Lamb. And so tonight we'll be at the Lord's table at the end of our service, and I would ask you to begin to prepare your hearts to receive the elements of communion. I would also remind you that in a few short minutes, we'll be turning our attention to a video clip. We've edited it. It'll only be about two minutes. But for some of you, it may be a bit much. There, there are some scenes in there that may be unsuitable for some of you. So I would simply ask you to pray and ask the Lord uh, if this is for you. But those scenes don't do justice to what Jesus did for you on the cross. If you do me the honor, take out your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 27, and would you stand as we read the word of the Lord together. Matthew 27, we'll pick up in verse 15, and a simple reading of one of the accounts in the Gospels, really of the end of those six hours, that one Friday, 2,000 years ago. Verse 15 of Matthew 27, and now, at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. And therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Who do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? For he know that they had handed him over because of envy. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife said to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And the governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they all said to him, Let him be crucified. And then the governor said, Why? 
What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be upon us and upon that of our children. And he released Barabbas to them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus to the praetorium and gathered a whole garrison around him. And when they had stripped him and put on a scarlet robe, when they had twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spat on him and took a reed and struck him in the head. And when they had mocked him, they took off his robe and put on his own clothes and led him away to be crucified. And now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, and they compelled him to bear his cross. And then when they had come to the place called Golgotha, they had this to say, the place of a skull. And they gave to him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. And then they crucified him, divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And they put up over his head the sign of the accusation against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads, saying, you who destroy the temple, build it in three days, save yourself. If you're the son of God, come down from the cross. And likewise, the chief priests, also mocking with the scribes and the elders, said, He saved himself, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. If he's the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. And even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. And now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. And at about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God. My God. Why have you forsaken me? And some of those who stood there when they heard that said, This man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed of hyssop 
and offered it to him to drink. And the rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Father, we ask tonight, as we have gathered in your house, together in this place to hear your voice, that from heaven you would remind us of the price of the sacrifice that was made for us to receive grace. Lord, we thank you for the power of the cross to save, the power of the blood to cleanse. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came and considered it not robbery to die this death for me, for us. Bless us tonight with your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take your seats? What did it cost? How expensive was our salvation? You see, we call it Good Friday because to us, the greatest good that could ever be done for mankind was done at the cross. But for Jesus, it was a heavy price. You see, sometimes I think we come to the Lord's table perhaps a little bit flippantly, maybe a little unawares. But his body was broken for me. That beating he took was for me. Every lash laid to Christ's back was for me. That crown of thorns was my crown. That mocking should have been against me. But he gladly bore the weight of all of that to love us, to draw us near, to provide forgiveness for our sin. You know, sometimes when we flippantly sin, oh, it's covered by the blood. Oh, it's all grace, man. Have you ever thought about what that grace cost? You thought about laying another lash to the back of her Savior? Because that, in effect, is what we do. You see, when Jesus was agonizing in the garden, and as we turn our attention to this account, you have to read all of the gospel accounts and assemble them together to pull together all of the pieces that we know about that evening. But this whole evening began actually in the upper room. 
at the Lord's table. Jesus actually began with the disciples in the upper room, and within six hours, he will have been moved to ten different places. And he begins this journey that would include walking a total of a a little more than five miles. He will have been tried six times illegally. He will have gone to Annas and Caiaphas, to Pilate, to Herod, back to Caiaphas, and eventually, finally, to Pilate one last time. Have you ever thought about what that sacrifice really meant. You see, once Jesus finished that night in the upper room, he actually told them that it would be his body and it would be his blood that would be represented by the bread and the cup. And from there, Jesus walked across the brook Kidron, just a few hundred yards from the edge of the Temple Mount, down a little incline, across a little tiny stream, and into an olive grove, the rootstocks of which likely contributed to the grove that's there today. Beautiful place today. There's a church that sits on the edge of the garden. Has two names the Church of the Agony, the Church of All Nations, because so many countries contributed to the building of that church. But in the corner of the courtyard, there's a rock. And it is polished nearly glass smooth from people laying on the rock. And weeping where it's believed that Jesus wept for you. Where he sweat out those great drops of blood. He went to Gethsemane. And it was there that he anguished. It was there that he asked Father God if there be any other way. Let this cup pass from me. But you see, the debt of my sin was so great, there was no other way. God had to personally die for me. And he did. Knowing everything that I would ever do that would require the covering of grace, Jesus went knowingly. There's an interesting word that's used in Luke's account here in the garden. It's found only there and nowhere else in the entire Bible. It's the word agony. The only time that Jesus was ever in agony was over what he would have to do to save me. To save you. To save man. And yet he still prayed, nevertheless. 
when we use the English word excruciating or excruciate, it literally means out of the cross. It means something so weighty as to agonize from the position of the cross. No wonder Jesus broke down. No wonder in Gethsemane where he would be betrayed. No wonder in Gethsemane where he would have to reassemble Malchus's ear back to his head because of the impulses of Peter. How many things has God had to do to reassemble the messes that you have made in your life? How many ears has Jesus had to pick up and put back on because of your sin or mine? One of the things I constantly pray in my life as I've gotten older, Lord, please don't let me shame you. Don't let me put another lash to your back. You've agonized enough, God, over Jeff. And were that not enough, you would think the men that Jesus poured into would have stood by him in his time of need. And yet the Gospels record for us this, that as Jesus is praying, he asked them a simple thing, and Jesus asks you tonight a simple thing. Would you pray with me a while? How often we fail to even do the simple things for the Lord when he's done so much for us. And it wasn't bad enough that these are the men who walked with him and talked with him, were taught by him. They didn't doze off once. They didn't doze off twice. Jesus came to them three times, and each time he finds them asleep while he's crying. Don't be asleep while Jesus is crying over your life. Wake up. Join him in prayer. Let him do his work. You see, sometimes we, like the disciples, kind of doze off. Jesus didn't doze off for us. Oh, he was very much wide awake. The story is so tragic that we find Peter ultimately sitting around a campfire talking with a little servant girl and as she questions him did I not see you with Jesus? The scriptures declare that he actually swore at her I do not know the man. Peter. I'll never deny you, Lord Peter. I don't even know him. 
Brothers and sisters, it's time for us as the church to be real about the price of grace. Please don't deny Jesus with your words or your actions. He died for you. He died for me. He gave his life so that I could live. As Jesus has moved around, after he goes from the upper room to Gethsemane, he begins this series of trials, and he goes first to the courtyard of the home of the high priest, which was actually now back across the Brook Kedron, on the opposite side of the Temple Mount. And there he begins to be questioned first by the religious leaders of the Jews. And it was really their plot. That's why Pilate is so accurate in what he says. You have a plot to put this man to death. And I'm giving you an opportunity to let him go. But not only did they not let him go, they said, crucify him. You would have said the same thing if you'd been in the crowd. So many today hearing the good news of the gospel say, oh, I don't need Jesus. I don't care about Jesus. But church, aren't you glad that Jesus cares about you? He loved you with an undying love that night. He left nothing undone. He was beaten so badly. And the account does not come from the Gospels. Because remember, the Gospels say that the disciples fled. The author of the Gospels are the disciples. They didn't watch. They didn't see. They chose not to know. They abandoned Jesus. But the prophet Isaiah, being instructed of God, did see. And what he recorded was that Jesus would be so mocked, so scorned, that he would offer his back to the accusers to be beaten. That They would pull out his beard. And ultimately be beaten so badly as he would not be recognizable as a man. Have you ever wondered why those who saw Jesus right after his resurrection did not even know it was him? Could it be that he was still grossly disfigured? And yet very much alive. You see, when Jesus was taken to the lithostrothos, it's a a stone floor. And in the midst of that stone floor, Connie and I visited there some years ago. There's a single post in the middle of it. And that post was put there 
not so that the victims could be chained to it so they wouldn't get away, but so that they would stay stood up so that they could receive more of a beating. Your Savior was chained to a post and beaten for you. You ever thought about the price of grace? And all the time being mocked. Ultimately, he would be forced to carry his own cross. And when you think about that cross, we we kind of sanitize it in some ways. Oh, it wouldn't be made out of finished lumber and It would actually smell horrible because they were reused. The patabulum, the, the long crossbar, used over and over and over and over and over again to crucify victim after victim after victim. Their blood soaking into that crossbar. Can you imagine King Jesus carrying a 90 to 100 pound piece of wood that smelled like death? You ever wondered about the price of your grace? And eventually he'd no longer be able to carry it and he stumbles. And it's then that the scriptures record that a Cyrenian, Simon, from the area of modern-day Tunisia, is asked to pick up that cross. He's finally led to Golgotha. If you go there today, you can hardly see the outline of the skull, but when Gordon's Calvary was first really kind of discovered, it was pretty clear that there were a couple of eye sockets and an open mouth, and it did look like a skull today. Unfortunately, the parking lot that's next door to it, owned by an Arab bus company, has eroded the face of it in a wall. And normally that wall that's at the top of that rock face actually has numerous occasions where it says, God has no son. So still today, Christ is mocked on that same hill. One of those places that Jesus would go that evening, it would be the final place before he's placed in the grave. The practice of crucifixion so brutal that a Roman actually couldn't be crucified. It was considered too heinous for a Roman citizen. Unless that citizen was a murderer... Have you ever wondered about the cost of your grace? That site purposely outside of the city walls, it remains so to this day. Jesus nailed to that cross. There's an interesting passage in the 49th chapter of the book of Isaiah speaking of the coming one, the Messiah. 
And it says there in the 16th verse a very simple thing. It says, of him who would be the king. Or see, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. The word that's translated their hands is the Hebrew word yad. 1700 and 16 times it's translated the hand. And people say, well, it had to be through his wrist. He couldn't have hung there. He was God incarnate in human flesh. It was never the nails that held Jesus on Calvary's cross. It was his love that held him on that cross. It was never the nail through his feet. It wasn't the nail in his hands. He did not need to be tied. His love for you held him there. As Jesus hung on the cross, the list of things that seem beyond cruel continued to mount. Crucifixion itself, heinous enough. Even the sign nailed up above his head, which ultimately was normally carried along by a Roman soldier. But in three languages, in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, King of the Jews. Because Jesus had said that I am the King of the Jews. you ever wondered about the cost of your grace? The truth is, he was the king of the Jews. But more importantly, he's my king. And if you're here tonight and you're a believer in Christ Jesus, he's your king. He's our king. I was my king on the cross. Have you ever wondered about the cost of your grace? Some people make a huge issue over all of the physical symptoms of suffering on the cross. The 22nd Psalm simply says that the Messiah would be poured out like water. And in fact... Finally, when that spear was thrust into his side, that is the very thing that poured out water, dehydrated, no doubt hypovolemic, lost his blood volume, no doubt his physical body trying desperately to raise up and breathe one more time. But it was none of those things that killed Jesus. In that sense, though medically we could say these things attributed to the death of Jesus, Scripture is actually quite clear that Jesus, in fact, was not killed but he gave up his life. 
It wasn't the beating. As horrific as that was. It was not the nails. As barbaric as that was. It was not the bleeding in his scalp from the crown of thorns. As undeniably cruel as that was. John chapter 19 records for us a simple scene, and it's a companion to the one we've already read in Matthew 27. And it says there in verse 29 and 30, a jar of wine vinegar was there, and so they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on the stalk of a hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he received the drink, Jesus said, to tell us die, meaning it is finished. He bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. I want to share with you two very tiny details about that scene. Does anybody remember what plant it was that was used by the Hebrew people? when they were in bondage in Egypt to spread the blood on the doorposts and on the lintel. It was the hyssop. They take and dip and they now raise it to the lips of Jesus. And what is on the end of that? A sponge. Jesus was offered two drinks on the cross. The first one he refused. Why? Because it would have numbed the pain that he took for me. And so he said, no, I'm going to face this fully knowledgeable of what I'm doing for Jeff. And he refused the first one. But the second one, on the exact same branch with which the blood that spared the children of Israel from the angel of death, on that one was vinegar, which is grape juice with leaven, representing sin. And the moment the sin touched Jesus' lips it is finished and he yielded up his spirit and his father turned his eyes away from him for the first time in all of eternity as he took sin have you ever thought why the apostle Paul and said God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might have the righteousness of God. Your sin was in that sponge. And Jesus took it and said, Father, I'm paying the price for it. Have you ever thought about the price of your grace? 
Jesus laid down his life. He actually foretold the disciples that he would do this very thing. I lay it down, but he said something to them that is an encouragement to us tonight because we know the other side of the story, don't we? What Jesus said he would do, he did. He said, I lay it down so that I might pick it up again. You see, Jesus laid down his life so that we could be lifted up with him. Ultimately receiving the grace that we do not deserve. I'm going to ask the communion team to begin to pass out the elements of communion right now. I want to take just a moment. Maybe you're visiting with us. And perhaps you have no idea what these two elements mean. They represent that broken body. And they represent that shed blood. And because of that, we consider this to be a holy moment. And so if you do not know the Lord Jesus, you came tonight and you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. You've never invited him personally, received the gift of grace personally, asked for him personally to forgive your sin to cleanse you of your unrighteousness and to put your name in the Lamb's book of life. If you've not done that, then the choice for you tonight is to pray that prayer. Ask Jesus into your life right now. Receive his gift of grace. Ask him to forgive your sin, to cleanse you. Offer your life to him right now or simply allow these elements, please, to just pass you by. You're under no obligation to take them. But communion is a serious thing. And it should not be done with anything other than a heart that honors Jesus Christ. Because the price of your grace was immense. While Jesus hung on the cross, people often miss the little things. It was Passover. Jesus was taken down from the cross before the sun set because they didn't want to do any work on the Sabbath. And so he was removed from the cross. And so to hasten his death, that's the reason the spear was normally thrust into the side of the victim of crucifixion. They just wanted to get it over with, but Jesus was already dead. The next thing that would have happened was they would normally break one of the major bones of femur to make it so the victim could no longer rise up and take a breath. But Jesus, because he was the perfect Passover lamb, had not a single bone broken because he gave up his life. And so while Jesus was on the cross, while he'd already taken every stripe, 
while his blood was poured out, that beating that he took for you and took for me while he was slain. His body broken. It was broken for a purpose. And you are that purpose. I am that purpose. That's why when Jesus spoke to the disciples that very evening, and Jesus himself led the first communion service, can you imagine the look on the disciples' face when Jesus took the bread? And we'll partake of both elements in just a moment. But as he took the bread, he broke it. And he looks at them and he says, take and eat. For this is my body broken for you. And they're going, what do you mean, Lord? This is such a strange thing for you to say. You're sitting right here. But Jesus knew fully what lied ahead. That's why Paul, as he authored the letter to the church at Philippi, said he didn't consider it robbery, though being equal with God, to suffer even the death of the cross. Because the cross was God's plan all along. The Son of Man came to be lifted up. The Son of Man died willingly. People often debate over who killed Jesus. I killed Jesus. I did. You did. We did. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, you put Jesus on the cross. His body was broken because of you. It was broken because of me. It wasn't some clever plot. It was not some governmental organization that was so powerful as to have full reign over all humanity. Jesus gave his life a ransom for me. So as you hold these elements in your hand, you hold a representation of the price that was paid for your grace. His body broken. And his blood that was shed. Jesus repeatedly told the disciples. He said, if anyone wants to follow me. If anyone would come after me. Let him, let her pick up his cross, her cross. And daily follow me. Jesus laid down his life for me. I am to lay down my life for him. It's not in reciprocation in the sense that we think of reciprocation. It's just simply the best I can possibly do. I could never pay him back. And neither can you. God gave us all eternity. You will never be able to pay Jesus back 
for what he did on the cross for you. But you can say thank you. And so when Jesus finished that first Last Supper, that first communion, when Jesus finished it, that's exactly why he said, as often as you eat of this bread and as often as you drink of this cup, do so and remember me because of the price of our grace. Family, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, take and eat, for this is my body broken for you. Let's partake together. The Bible says that both Jesus and Paul in like manner took the cup the cup of Hallel the cup of praise or exaltation and when he had supped from it he said this cup is the cup of the new covenant. My blood shed for the remission of sin. And as often as you drink from it, do so in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. Let's pray together and Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Lord, for the price that was paid over 2,000 years ago that is still sufficient tonight. It's still enough for all of my sin, all of my failure all of my weakness, Lord. God, thank you that you held nothing back, that you looked on your own son, beaten and bruised for my transgressions. And ultimately you would say, Behold, my beloved son. Jesus, you said, It is finished. thank you that it's finished. I'll never face you with my own sins and my account. You paid for them. Thank you for your blood that cleanses me. Lord Jesus, tonight we in this church boldly, proudly proclaim that you are our King.
and you are our Savior, and you are our Lord. And we're asking you to help us to pick up our cross and follow you. Lord, all of our days would be filled with your glory, working out in our lives. Thank you for your sacrifice, which paid the price for our grace. In Jesus' name, amen.